This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyhot. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer, and join with me today are Amy Nelson and Richard Marquez. Amy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I love, love talking next gen with you guys. And again, I know we say this every (laughs) week, but it's just so much fun. I just love next gen. So happy to be here. Excellent. Well, and right before recording, before I introduce Richard, we had a little transporter accident and we had a short-lived duplicate of Thomas Marquez. But Richard, now that you've gotten rid of him, how are you doing today? I feel whole. (laughs) 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 Uh, Doing fantastic. Uh, I'm also excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, And and I've got something for you, Amy, on this one too. So when we get in there, we'll, we'll talk about it. And in case listeners are confused, we are not talking about second chances and transporter duplicates. (laughs) We actually had something happen in Zoom where Richard's image got duplicated. So that's It was just like the transporter (laughs) failure and there was two Richards. It was crazy. But it was a Richard of like 10 seconds ago. So (laughs) yeah, it was delayed. Oh, it was so weird. Anyway. Like Times Squared or something. Oh, so this many references. When, <laughs> this day when <laughs> when we're recording, I'm going to post something in the Babel Conference about that, and maybe I'll do it in the thread when this one comes out. But anyway, yeah. now that we're back to normal, hopefully, uh, we have some Babel Conference feedback from Earl Grey 246, which was a Jennifer Edwards interview. And Amy, do you want to start that off? Yes. Greg Malumbi says, nice interview. She mentioned her husband or relative was a recurring character on Babylon 5. Just curious, who was that character? Jennifer Edwards responded, my ex-husband, father of my daughter, Hannah, Mark Schneider. And Mark Schneider played Wade in four episodes of Babylon 5. Yeah. Great to know. You asked a question and we got it answered. <laughs> she answered very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. And... <sighs> She has so many connections. It, it, it was great to hear that. Yeah, Star she... Trek and Babylon 5 and all kinds of sci-fi. Yeah, I think it was a shock to all of us that she was, uh, <laughs> um, oh man, I, I, I hear, I, I can see the character's name, but not, not the name of the actual person. Latasha Yar, you know, I, I mean, yeah, all yeah. of our uh, reactions Her were brother like, was married to Denise Crosby. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So. Well, and the, you know, she's personal friends with Brent Spiner. And it's like every time she said something, the next thing was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Oh, and and your your husband was William Shatner's karate teacher. And I know, true. right? <laughs> I still want to know how he knows. I I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that karate chop and everything. I don't know. We'll see the kung the Kirk kung fu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Wes Huntington said, "Thanks for uh, for this awesome interview, and thanks for asking my uh, my question." It is such a small world that she had family connections to Star Trek, thanks to her brother being married to Den- Denise Crosby. There you go. There's the name. Yep. <laughs> Once again, awesome interview. And remember, Alexander uh, insists that Klingons do, uh, don't listen to teachers. I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Klingon honor and respect would enforce that children listen to their teachers. I would agree I'm curious ab- about a question, though, because if on their ships... Someone who's a subordinate can kill a higher ranking officer if they're not doing their job. Is there something in Klingon society where you can kill your teacher if you feel like they're, <gasps> oh, no, I don't want to go there. No, let's not go there. Yeah, <laughs> we no. don't need to give my students any ideas. <laughs> Klingons. Your students are not Klingons. Okay, so okay. Well, no I'd be worried if you brought, if you let them bring in bat lists into your classroom. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've gone way too dark. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. Glad our listeners enjoyed that interview with Jennifer Edwards. Uh, We also received an email. So that came from Rob Vaughn, uh, who says he's in Boston Link slash Portsmouth, UK. And he says, hi, all just wanted to send you all a thank you message as with the help of you and the other Trek FM shows, Warp 5, Standard Orbit, The Edge, you have helped me rediscover my love for Trek. I've been a fan for as long as I can remember, but I kind of drifted away as I got older. With the return of Star Trek to cinema screens, theaters, and Discovery on television. My interest was back, but it was the discovery of all of the great shows on Trek FM, which has made me love Trek again, so thank you all. Well, thank you, Rob. Uh, We're just always so honored when listeners tell us that these shows are meaningful to them and that they're taking the time to listen to them. It helps them rediscover their love of Star Trek or makes an impact on them. So thank you. Glad you're enjoying Earl Grey. We also forwarded your email to the hosts of the other shows that you named. And uh, they appreciate that as well. So, yeah, thanks so much for the feedback. Yeah, I can completely relate with you, Rob, because when I found Trek FM, that's when, whoo, just, yeah, I was loving listening and reigniting my fandom for Star Trek just to a whole deeper level. It's it's a great experience and grateful for Trek FM. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 time old story that uh, a lot of us say you know when we wear our star trek gear and everything and someone just comes up and asks questions about star trek and it's it's amazing that um on when they when their eyes start lighting up like it's christmas and and to rekindle that uh star trek fandom again so yeah thank you very much for sending that email it's it's good to hear that we're at least making a, a really good positive um impact on your fandom yeah, definitely. And Trek FM is something I discovered, oh, I guess it was about three and a half years ago. And I had already had like this building Trek fandom that was happening. But I think it's because of Trek FM and all the shows and getting involved as a host and all of that, that I've gone to Star Trek Las Vegas, connected with so many people. So it just really deepened it. So I can definitely relate to what you're saying, Rob. So thanks again. Well, today on Earl Grey, we are continuing our favorite character moments. This time we're going into the movies. So Today we're talking about generations, and I don't know about you guys, but it felt like a different experience looking for moments because just over the course of a couple hour movie instead of, you know, 26 episodes. So um, 
I'll be curious, you know, as you make your picks or if you wanted to start out by talking about what the process was like, because I'm sure it might have been been different. So, um, Amy, do you want to maybe talk about that a little bit and give your first pick? Yeah, this was very different experience, like you said, because this is just two hours instead of 26 hours, you know, to choose from. Um, And I when I rewatch Generations, I found a new found love for it. every single moment I was watching it. I'm like, man, this is such a good movie. And I've sort of, um, I don't know, maligned it a little bit. Cause it's, you know, it's not first contact and in, in my book, it's not nemesis, you know, but I was watching it and going, man, this is a really good story. You know, we've seen these characters and now they're in a major film and how they've progressed and especially doing these character moments, like to see them where they are at in this movie scene. Um, I just think it's really generations. It's bumped up in the overall scheme of things in my book. So I'm, I was really glad to, to watch it. And again, sort of with a, a fresh perspective, but yet still with hindsight, because this was the first movie um, that I saw in the theater with my entire family. I had my dad and my two brothers, and you know, we just had the whole family go together. And so there's that nostalgia part of this movie that goes with it as well for me. That's great to hear. Yeah. So given that, uh, what would you say is your first pick? Well, um, my first pick, uh, is going to be with Troy. I don't think that's a surprise. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, through the seven seasons and so many people question Troy's role on the ship as a counselor, I think it is very evident, um, and sort of goes to support why I believe that she is her main concern and duty is for the captain. Um, and when the captain learns that his uh, family, Robert, uh, and his nephew, Renee were killed in that fire, um, he is emotionally distraught. And of course, Troy can sense this. And I think she does such a good job in giving him the space, um, checking in a little bit, but then when Picard is ready, He calls her into the ready room and they have this discussion and Troy just listens to him and he's trying to, you know, put words to his emotions over this uh, distraught news that he has received. Um, And I think she succinctly sort of sums up really what Picard is having trouble with when she says, you're concerned that there's no more family line. And he's like, yes, that's it. Like she was able to, you know, put the words that Picard was missing and I think help him to deal and to process this very emotional state that he was in. And I just think that um, for her character shows the support and the respect that they both have for um, each other. You know, Picard relying on her and her, you know, just being there when he needs you know and that's a great point and it also shows that how well they know each other i mean it the 
just the sheer history of uh, of what he's been through, and and she's like you like you said, you know, she she's always been there in his most um, most vulnerable times um, throughout the whole entire seven seasons, and it's you know like 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 you said, Amy, you know, she gave him his space or she gave him space and everything to basically you know go through it in his head and basically make sense of it and whatnot, and then when he's ready, he's ready, you know, and then you can and he'll talk about it. And that's a great point. And um, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it it called back to, if you remember at the end of his Borg experience when he was Locutus, like the last shot is Picard talking to Troy, you know, and just sort of going through that Borg moment. And, and it just sort of is a great callback to that, that, you know, you're right. They do respect each other and he does rely on her and her counsel. Yeah, and I think I got a, a newfound appreciation of that because I was watching Generations actually a few weeks back when we were going to talk about Picard's family. And what she's doing there for him is so important, and he's really gotten to the point where where he really trusts her, her counsel a lot. Because there are some moments early on where it's like, I'm fine, nothing's wrong, all that. But it also reminded me of something I rewatched recently, which is Chain of Command. And at the very end of that, it's Troy helping to counsel Picard, who had to has to deal with the fact that he actually believed there were five lights at the end of it. And, and the episode ends with that as well. So I think it does reinforce that she is the one who is there for him in his most difficult moments when he wants to really just privately talk to someone and deal with a really heavy moment. So yeah, I think it's a great choice. So Richard, your first choice, and maybe a little bit about how this was different, having to pull from a movie instead of a season. Okay, so before we before I start, first off, Amy, I just want to let you know, I never saw Troy wear a DS9 version of the uniform. I don't know if In you noticed movie. that. Yeah. Uh, I never noticed it until I watched it again today. <laughs> oh! So, and, and of course, Picard, too. Well, no, 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 Picard uh, was on uh, Meridian 3 with the um, DS9. So yeah, she's the only one. Huh, yeah, interesting. The only one who does who doesn't like switch from time to time, right? Yeah, yeah from the Gen- TNG to the DS9 Voyager um, uniform. Well, mm-hmm. not really yeah. DS9. Well, anyway, you know what I mean. Voyager uniform. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but like, I was like, "Whoa, are you serious?" <laughs> so, because I was trying to look for differences in in uniforms, because you know, obviously, this is where we do the transition, and right. it's just yeah. So anyway, I noticed that. So anyway, and also number two. I just recently bought a 65-inch plasma TV. Freaking Generations looked amazing on that screen. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. I was like, you could see every single detail. Thank you, whoever freaking did the makeup and did all the plastic stuff and, and cosmetics and all that kind of stuff because it looked amazing mm. and you could see every single detail. So whoever did that, congrats to you. Because <laughs> that was just a freaking amazing to see it on Blu-ray. Or, well, yeah, on high resolution or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but like, so yeah. the movie still holds up. The movie holds up when it comes to the special effects and makeup and uh, art and all that kind of stuff. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Hmm. It, okay. And the story too, yeah. <laughs> but look, look amazing. I was impressed. I was impressed. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen generations probably in at least two years or something like that. And mm-hmm. this is the first time I've seen it since then on this screen. And it was amazing. 
Amazing. Nice. Yeah, everyone should rewatch it. <laughs> well, Favorite character moment is the TV he watched it on. It's yeah, Richard recommends getting a new plasma <laughs> TV. When you get a new TV and do it in February. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it was amazing. I, I, I was blown away by how, how great it looked. So anyway. <laughs> okay. Can I just real quick yeah. insert? Uh we had, I had a friend, same, same scenario. They were getting a new TV and the surround sound in their house. Mm. And they had this like playoff system where they were debating which movie to watch the very first time once it was installed. <laughs> and, uh, they have, I of course was like, you need to watch a Star Trek movie and it didn't win in their little playoff system. But when they did watch the Star Trek movie, I got a text from them. It's like, we should have watched Star Trek the first time. It was amazing. I'm like, which I told did, you so. so. Yeah, which one yeah. did they watch? Uh, it was 09, but s- oh, still well, the same idea. It's like, yeah, to so see it. I just and... heard you say, don't argue with Miss, Miss, with Miss Nelson. The moral of the story, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and Star Trek should always win a competition like that. There you yes. go. That's what I heard. <laughs> anyway, your first choice, Richard. <laughs> All right, so... I mean, it, okay, so we're going back to Picard, and it's that moment where um, he's talking with Dr. Soran in 10 Forward. Absolutely. You can, I mean, he doesn't need to say anything when he starts talking about time. And then, of course, like like Amy said about um, uh, uh, Rene and Robert, that, uh, you know, time is the, is the fire that we burn. And he's right. I mean, and obviously you saw it on his face. Um, the dread on his face that he's absolutely right that we uh, time is precious and so is the time that we spend with our families as well or at least that's how I saw it and I absolutely think that was a great character moment sad yes but I think it I think um, it's it, it was a very pivotal moment for Picard um, and um, you know his, like I said his book was was everything so. Yeah, hmm. that is great. That was actually one of my honorable mentions um, because, yeah, we see, you're right, that look that Picard has and the words, you know, the fire in which we burn, you know, ca- calling back to how he lost Robert and Renee, like mm. that sticks with Picard. Oh, I never thought of that yep. as like <laughs> oh. Robert and Renee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you can just hmm. see that devastation and it's like, yes, that's, I have lost this. And then at the end of the movie, when Picard, you know, goes through all of this and he's talking to Riker and he's like, I've now come to believe that time is a companion that joins us on our journey. So taking sort of that negative and turning it into a positive, I think is just, so important for Picard's uh, character there. It's That's a great pick, Richard. Yes, excellent pick. And as you were talking through that, Amy, I think you t- took one of mine. That's oh, okay. dear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll replace it with something. But no, that's really great. And like I, one of the things I w- was watching for this time that I just didn't think much about before is how you see Soren before like he's on, he you. it's revealed that he's on this big, quest to be part of the nexus and he seems like just somebody who's really determined for something but you don't know what so it's not like he's like a villain at that point but but he he just yeah he has this fire burning within him for something and and i mean yeah it's 
It's great. Great pick. Um, I just got distracted a little because of what Amy said that took one of mine, but that's okay. That wasn't the first one I was going to talk about. So, so for my first pick, so in this process, you know, one of the things that I thought was great is that we can not only pick, it is a next generation movie, but it's a crossover and we can pick things with original series timeline or characters. So, and like I'm always I think really impressed by the first part of it with the Enterprise B and it's in the 23rd century and they're going to you know launch this this ship and Kirk and Scotty and Chekhov are there I actually love that part although how Harriman is just so kind of incompetent when there's a crisis kind of boggles my mind <laughs> Tuesdays and how the, is his favorite yeah movie. yeah don't tell me <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, you don't have any medical staff or tractor beams or torpedoes. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be like a regular cruise, but like who knows what's going to happen, right? Anyway, besides that, one of the things that that I chose, well, it's kind of a dual character moment. And it's part of that whole scene because, you know, they they have this thing that that happens. There's this distress call. They see the Nexus, the ship's kind of, the Enterprise B is kind of being torn apart a little bit. What impressed me is that they're they're totally on it. They're they're doing a, a really great job. And I think Demora is especially is just like calm and cool and doing like what's needed until Kirk can can step in. So that that's one of the things that that I like that I mean, not only that you're seeing like Kirk and Scotty and Chekhov, but there are these other crew members, even though they have bit parts, and I like that you see them being really competent under fire and and doing a, a great job to help contribute to to what's needed. And then the second part of it actually um, has to do with with Kirk because it, at first, you know, Harriman is going to go and do whatever needs to be done to to save things, and Kirk's like, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of that. Um, and he is like in a really symbolic way, kind of risking his own life so that another generation, you might even say the next generation, can can continue and that's really just part of this this crew right of, of the enterprise b but there's something that i i really like about this first part where you're you're seeing everyone in this really difficult situation and most of them are doing an amazing job even if they haven't you know been in starfleet for decades and decades and the person who has been there for that long is going to risk his life um in order to to save them i don't know there's just something about that part that always makes a big impression on me despite that really it is the next generation movie i know what you guys think about that well and really i mean uh you know kirk doing that uh doing that i mean that was the right thing for him to do anyway i mean yeah like you said mm -hmm. is yeah. you know harriman i mean despite his incompetence as we all saw <laughs> um and i hope that dude had a had a good career let's just say that Let, let's just put that on record um but like i it's just you know, he did the right thing. I mean, it's not his ship. Technically, it's supposed to be the captain. And he's not the captain. So, um, well, well, not the captain. Well, you know what I mean. But, like, so, but, you know, it, it, he did a very courageous and um, honorable thing that, you know, they're in a, uh, they're in a jam and he needs, to, um, he needs to do his part. So, um, kudos to it being Kirk. So, yeah. Yeah, and, well, and after this, I know originally I think they wanted... Uh, George Takei to be there as Sulu when they couldn't get in, they put in the character of Demora. But I like the character of Demora just from the little bit mm -hmm. that we saw. And I yeah. think there's more in some novels I haven't read yet. But mm. um, I, I, there's just something about like seeing that that I'm like, oh, I want to know what these people do afterwards, even though it's really just a bridge to like get Kirk and Picard together. But anyway, yeah. I just really like that opening part a lot. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, a little disjoint because like when, well, for me, cause I didn't really know the original series when, uh, I watched generations for the first time and the openings, you know, first part of the movie outside of Worf. What is um, this ship? Who are these people? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Captain Kirk, what? No, Admiral Kirk, I guess, you know, uh, it, it was, yeah, a little threw me for a loop and, but then, yeah, you're right with, uh, Demora. She was amazing. And I do really appreciate, you could see the struggle that Kirk was having when he, he knew that he could take control and, you know, handle the situation, but that wasn't his place. That wasn't his purpose for him being there. And so he, you know, controlled that urge and, and stepped aside. So that good for him. Excellent. So on that note, uh, Amy, your second pick. Okay. <clears throat> I know some people don't like Generations because of this, but I love Generations because of it. And that is Data's humor. Um, <laughs> and my favorite part, and it's the corniest of them all. I'm sure you probably know, uh, when they're down and they're trying, they're like, oh, there's, you know, something behind this wall. Jordy sees and data takes out his little thing, waves his arms says, open sesame. And then <laughs> in Brent Spiner's classic <clears throat> Patrick Stewart impersonation, make it so. I mean, it just <laughs> cracks me okay. up every single time. And I just love his humor throughout it, you know, and him trying to understand humor and, and in part, you know, his emotions. But the humor part is so funny. And he just starts laughing. And Jordy's like, what are you laughing about? Oh, that joke you told at Encounter at Farpoint, <laughs> you know? And it's like, that uh, was seven years ago. And I, it's... I love it, and I know it's a corny part of the movie, but it is hilarious. I love it. You know, when the movie came out and I saw it in the theater, um, I actually went back to see if that first episode if that joke was there. And I don't, I don't think it was. I don't remember. No. Yeah, I did it. the yeah. same thing too. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't remember it's that. Not. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was in a deleted scene or something. Uh, no, I'm yeah, making maybe. that up, but no. It, yeah, I mean, what do you think about the, the data's humor? Do you find it funny in this movie? I thought I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it, I, 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 I mean, it definitely could have been a lot worse. Uh, we could have seen a lot more, you know, heavy humor from him. But I think we got yeah. quite, a, you know, a decent amount of humor uh, that didn't overwhelm the, the, you know, the the film. I mean, I actually kind of mm. like it. it. I mean, I don't really call Generations a movie. It's more like an episode to me. <laughs> But like uh, a theatrically it, released episode. Yeah, it feels like an I episode. I thought that was Insurrection. The movie that shall not be named. We're gonna have to the, the talk film. about that in a few months. I don't months. know. I don't know. <laughs> I can't say that name. <laughs> but like, besides the the movie that shall not be named, um, <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good humor. I mean, it, I mean, I, I actually quite kind of liked it. So yeah, and funny, well, I yeah. like. I mean, when you think about children and their learning humor and how it just everything is funny to them you know the farting jokes and the burping jokes and then you know and you can Should we see have had that from data in this movie some farting and burping jokes oh well. <laughs> you have to be able to do that at least yeah. and i would love to see um... what the writers would make what excuse they would make for him party 
Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you can see like the development oh of humor when you look at young children. And I think that's where, you know, Data's humor is that where he's like understanding these little puns and these, you know, these just jokes in general and the nuance of when people say something and the tone they say it and you know, because he, he certainly tried when he pushed Beverly in the water, you know, oh, being funny is supposed to be spontaneous. I hope so you he didn't pushes that, Beverly Amy. in the water and it's like, Data, <laughs> that was not funny, you know? And so I think you see him develop this humor and it just sort of reminds me of kids and their humor and their development of it where they start, you know, at the very, you know, mm-hmm. basic and then move on. I, I can see that. I, I do have to say that I'm still kind of annoyed by some parts of it where it's like Mr. Tricorder and he's searching for life forms. I That's one of the few places in Star Trek where I'm like, I wish I wasn't watching this right now. However, oh. however, one thing Everyone's I do Everyone's la- going to sing the song, Everyone Join Me, Life Forms. No, I will not join you. I'm sorry. Okay, however. are you? Um, you started it justin well i i referenced it but anyway (laughs) but what i what i do want to say that i thought was actually really funny is uh when he's in in 10 forward you know and and he has some this thing to to drink oh (laughs) yeah and guinan says it looks like he hates it and dave says yes Yes. that's it i hate this it's revolting (laughs) yeah Hey, you're getting ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it says Data, and uh, LaForge says, Data, I think the chip is working. And Data says, yes, I hate this. It is revolting. Guinan says, more? Data says, please. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is hilarious because, I don't know, for me, like that's that's a little more sophisticated humor than some of mm-hmm. the other stuff that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just unexpected. Like, he hates it, and he's like, I want more because these emotions are amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I will agree with you on that. That one is funny. But the rest of it, I... I don't think. I do believe this is going to be the uh, the round for humor because I actually chose life forms oh. <laughs> for big two. So, but like, I, oh, I, so I, why don't you sing it again and talk about it more? No, 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 no one needs to hear me sing twice in one day. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I, 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 I'm okay with the humor. I, I, I mean, especially in the uh, ten board. I mean, him being excited and actually sounding like he's practically yelling the. Uh, Yelling that it's revolting is even better. It's, <laughs> it's just, funny the way he delivers it. Yeah, yeah. It, his high pitch. It's revolting. I'm like, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I like it. <laughs> yeah. So. So is that your second one that you want to talk about? Is the life form? Yeah, it was life form. But we already sang the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we okay. can put that on uh, <laughs> the what's it called? Since you sang a song, now I'm singing the song. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or previously on Trek FM. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah I do. all right well i guess i should go to my second one right yeah mm-hmm. there you go <laughs> okay so for my second one so this is something that i noticed this time i i do i really like the so you know after the first scene where with the enterprise b you see them in the holodeck on this old school sailing ship from like i don't know 18th century or something like that and all these uniforms and one of the things that that struck me in this promotion ceremony with Worf, you know, they're having a lot of fun with it. And that I think Picard is having a lot of fun with it. And I think it's something that's made possible 
by what happens in All Good Things in the last scene where he joins the poker game. Because now he's more a part of those fun things that they're doing. And I just thought about it more. Like that's a further progression of Picard's character from that little bit that you saw in All Good Things. Now he's participating in this kind of really fun thing with with Worf's promotion. I mean, they're having a great time with it. Of course, Data makes the mistake of pushing Crusher in. But besides that, it's like he's having a great time and continues to have a great time, of course, until he gets the news on the holodeck that Robert and Renee have died. But before that, it's like, I don't know if before All Good Things or something like that, he would have participated in something like this, or maybe Riker would have put something like this together and Picard would be somewhere else. But I was just noticing that's kind of like a further progression from what we saw before. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure, something like that wouldn't be uh, put, put together by a crew that, you know, doesn't know each other, uh, know them well. I mean, you're going, you're in a sense going into the holodeck for a promotion that's fun versus an actual, um, like a ceremony, like in 10 Ford or something like that, or in the, or in the cargo bay or something, like that, or even on the bridge. I mean, wherever, or wherever, but like, yeah, you can imagine like Picard, the little lector and like today we are gathered here to promote. Yeah, exactly. Wharf like to, it's a formal yeah. occasion or something like that. Yeah. Is that, that's a, I don't know if that's a bad Picard or what, but it's my attempt. <laughs> <laughs> We're gathered here today. Okay. So, okay. What do you think, Amy? Yeah. Um, I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, I think the idea sort of started with Riker, but then maybe melded uh, to more in line with Picard. So I think you can see uh, Picard's hand in, you know, doing this celebration like that, because, you know, when Picard and Riker and Picard's like, man, this is the time, you know, just the stars to guide you and the wind in your cells and you know, so you can see that Picard maybe, you know, had a little bit of influence, you know, and I think Riker. I think he influenced like, the setting. I think Riker right. would have had a different setting if it was all up to him. Exactly. Yeah. And so Riker, you know, with the idea of, okay, we're going to do something special out of the ordinary, not just your intent forward. We're going to have a promotion, but we're going to make this, you know, special. And, and I think you're right. It is exactly, you know, Picard opening up and enjoying his family uh, a little bit more this way is great progression of his character. Cause we would have never seen this in, you know, seasons one, two or three. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Excellent. Great pick. So thank you. <laughs> um, let's go on. If you think we should to our third picks. So, Amy, uh, what is your third one? So far, we've had Troy and Data. There's a certain something I'm looking for. I'll see if you come through on this or a later one. Yes, this is my number one pick. I will defend it till the day I die. Troy did not crash the ship. Uh, I get a lot of crap right. for it. <laughs> so your favorite character moment is her not crashing the ship. That's exactly right. No, yeah. but in part because, <laughs> you know, when we first meet Troy, she is just ship's counselor, um, lieutenant commander. Um, and then through the seasons, you know, she decides to go into command and she achieves that goal and, and accomplishes quite a bit, you know, uh, with the Romulans, you uh, you know, and she is taking more command opportunities. And I think when the ship is, you know, going down and crashing and exploding and stuff, you can see 
she jumps in well she's you know troy take the helm um that she a has the ability b has the confidence to do that and she sticks by her post through the entire time and she is doing her best with her knowledge and everything and working together with data to save and not completely demolish and kill everyone on that ship. You know, it is noted that no one died in that crash. And I credit her and data with that. I, I completely agree with you, Amy. It actually annoys me when people say, well, try across the ship and generate. Well, no, Yeah, the ship was, a, <clears throat> was attacked by, you know, these Klingon ships under the, the Duras sisters. And it was already, having their their enterprise d was already having a lot of difficulty she had to take the con i think because someone was you know injured and had to be carried yeah. away and and she was no, able it, to yeah go ahead, go ahead. that w- wasn't he uh sucked out into it could have been space. something like that i yeah. don't remember but but anyway so someone wasn't there she had to she had to take the con and i think she did a good job nobody got killed sure the saucer section crashed but there was so much damage they could do nothing but you know separate and and try to do with what they could so i think she did a, like a a great job i mean sure the thing crashes into the planet but that would happen with anyone there right right it's not like she was incompetent and like oops <laughs> we're crashing yeah. that's what was going to happen because they were in such dire straits already after being attacked by the klingon birds of prey so i'm with you 100 percent. i think she does a great job in something that she's not really trained to be at the helm, but I mean, surely she's had some training, but probably hasn't done it in a while. So, but yeah, what do you think? the fact that she stayed by her post and yeah, yeah, did the best. I mean, that was caught in gravity. What, what are you going to do? No, gravity. I'm, I'm, I'm with you all the way, but Richard is, uh, maybe I'm a different opinion. What do you think? It. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> you ready for this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be two against one. Well, maybe if, maybe if she would have been in, you know, training more often and maybe gone to those helm training. Richard, there's nothing no anybody could have done in that situation. Sure, she could have reversed the did. polarity of the shield and then the freaking yeah. explosion would have catapulted them out of, out of the orbit. I mean, or she why could have said, Q, 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 help us. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been something in Generations if at that point it was like, Q, we need you now. Here's your price. You know, like, now, if you want to ruin the story, I think that would have done it. <laughs> like at the last minute, like Q's here. Wow. They, hey, that's a way to get Q in the movies. Right. Yeah. No, no, um, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, and then he Q transports the whole saucer section over to the Nexus and everybody's having these weird fantasies and they have to get the whole saucer section out. To, anyway, that's too much. <laughs> and the fantasies are with him. <laughs> <laughs> No, but keep going, Richard. I interrupted no, no, you. No, I don't. No. I, I personally don't think anybody could have done any better than she did. Well, you know, I guess you gotta get, you gotta be there. I guess I don't know. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I say for jokes, you know, in and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, it is fun to bash on Troy. <laughs> No, yeah, I, people say it out of jest and they know, you know, that's a button for me. And I allow people to push that button because I'm like, no, yeah. she didn't. Da, 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 and they get me all riled yeah. up and I'm just like, Roar, Calm down, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And while we're at it, the other time people say that she crashed the ship in Nemesis, like Picard specifically told her to ram. The exactly. She so, had to follow orders. You know. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm just what? messing. I'm just Mutiny? messing. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, I know, I know the spirit that people are doing it in, but I, 
I don't think it's the right characterization. Yeah. So good character moment. Troy at the helm. Yeah. In generations. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but I mean, it shows her progression, you know, of being in command, being able to take. You, you think know. she wouldn't have done as good a job if something like that happened on like a counter at Farpoint? Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. She wouldn't have had the know-how, I don't think. Hmm. Maybe. I could see that with the command training and yeah. what happens. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Richard. So do us proud with your third choice. Well, you already took my third choice, which is... The, uh, I did? Yeah, <laughs> it was actually the... Um, uh, the the beginning of uh, beginning scenes not not the enterprise B but the um oh the the holodeck yes the hol no not yeah the holodeck yep so that was my third choice so I'm gonna go with my um honorable mention and that would be um well finally we get I mean we get to see another emotion with uh with data and that's you know sadness I guess sadness yeah with spot. <laughs> so, oh. well it's it's kind of like happy, happy tears yeah, at I guess happy, spot. Yeah, yeah happy tears yeah there you go oh yeah I, I love that part yeah. too I absolutely that is too. so nice okay I'm gonna change my answer since it's so nice no kidding oh no <laughs> No, I, you know, you know, as much as I say I hate cats I actually do really like cats to a certain extent <laughs> but like yeah uh, I, I mean it definitely it's a uh, definitely heartwarming to uh, you know after <clears throat> Troy crashed the ship. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that, that we... After Troy took the helm and saved everyone's lives on the ship, you including know. a cat. Oh no! <laughs> All right, I'll give her that one. <laughs> but yeah. like, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I absolutely love that. That you know, he, he got to you know tears of joy, uh, finding uh, basically oh, his. Yeah. Uh, other well, family. yeah, it's such a great pick because Data, you know, goes to enumerate how many emotions and that he's cataloged and well that's all the emotions there are and you know then he finds spot and you know and he's like oh dear my emotion chip is broken you know and troy's right there and says no i think it's working perfectly and you know and it just shows data's naivete yeah um about how he the emotions are going there are set number of emotions and like the, that's it. And no, no, no. There's so many others, you know, combinations and blends and, you know, emotions are this sliding scale. And I think he's learning that. And that is a great, precious moment. And I love cats. And so it's very dear to my heart. I love cats too. And it's, it's a very sweet moment, but I think it's great acting by Brent Spiner, especially because he tells stories about how the, the cats who were, parts of these scenes were real jerks and wouldn't ever want to do what they were supposed to do. Oh. So yeah, not, I, I think Brent Spiner's head, it's not that he doesn't like cats. It's just, it was really hard to get them to do what they wanted to do. So maybe it was just tears of joy that the, the scene actually like worked. <laughs> <laughs> Take 1000. Oh, the cat's, yeah. oh, it's so great. The cat is acting. So that's yeah, funny. That's, I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. I, well, I'd, I'd have to see where he, t but there's, there was a con, some, time back where he told a story about how the cats were just really difficult to like you would they were supposed to like go up and eat something and they would just like stay where they are you know when he has like the supplements out and stuff like that yeah and they would just like refuse to move stuff like that I'll, I'll see if i can send it to you that's funny but yeah that's that's a great moment and i made a note of that as maybe something to put in because it's a great moment but i'm glad you chose that 
So my third choice is going to be something that's not a person, Ooh. but a new thing that gets introduced here, or should I say something that's enhanced here, and that is stellar cartography. Mm. I love how stellar cartography looks in this movie. It's just beautiful and cinematic, and especially when you compare it to we were, last episode, we were talking about lessons. Stellar cartography is like some lighted sphere that they're looking at. It, it, yeah. it, it's not very impressive at all, but here with the movie budget, I mean, it just looks beautiful, all of the stars and things in the galaxy that you can see. So I, I love that kind of as a character, this new kind of part that you see of the Enterprise Deep, which gets destroyed or totaled. But um, I, I just love seeing it. Totaled, uh, like, it's, like an instrument's claim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, the saucer section crashed and yes. the uh, star drive section blew up. So it's totaled. You totaled it's like the if, Enterprise Deep. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, like, it's like if on your car, like the back half separated and exploded <laughs> and then the front half crashed into a brick wall. You know, it, it's totaled, it right? I'd be suing the manufacturer <laughs> that happened <laughs> well you know it's the, it's it's the uh back half separation on your car you just push a button in the back. no that would be really bad especially if somebody's in there but anyway it, it's total but but yeah it's it's and and it's great that they did that and put that effort into it knowing that they weren't going to be able to reuse it in the same way so hmm. um I, I think it's great and i think you do see some version of stellar cartography on the Enterprise E on in Nemesis. I think that's yes. right. Oh yeah. But it's not. It's not actually not as impressive as what you see in Generations. I think. So, huh. so just the. I, I, I'm not trying to deter <laughs> from your whole uh, thing, but that's probably yeah. the only thing that didn't really get updated in the movie, or at least I saw when I was. I'll have to go back and watch it again, but or at least that the didn't look good on your 65-inch plasma as TV. Spectacular as. Hmm. You know, seeing it on Blu-ray for the first time. Maybe they should have done it. In, maybe it was done in a regular standard de- definition. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you mean when you originally saw it in the theater? No, no. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I remember. Yeah, I remember it being far more like there's a more of a wow factor watching in the theater versus when I watched it an hour ago. Hmm. And um, okay, maybe it's because it, they didn't update. I don't know. But I mean, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I first watched it in the very first time in the in the theater, it was freaking amazing. I absolutely loved it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, I, I think it, it it looks great. But go ahead, Amy. Okay, so I'm really glad you brought this up because I wrote in my notes, whose quarters are they in? Because I'm like, okay, this is the Enterprise D. This is the ship that maybe we've they known converted for the, the room that you saw Nella Darren in in lessons. The past seven seasons, this has been the Enterprise D. And I looked when they were in Data's quarters and like when Data and Jordy were deciding if they should use the chip or not. And I'm like, whose quarters are these? And then in Guinan's quarters, I'm like, no, the quarters were completely different. I'm like, I've never seen this before in the Enterprise D. I that interior interior refit interior refit yeah I mean and 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 also like okay one of the things that I know people like but I don't like is some of the lighting in the movie because it seems really dark in the quarters like they're in Guinan's quarters and it's like lights are really low and it's not like that during the show at all but yeah that that affects how I see it but I don't know the quarters got refit or something and for stellar cartography they retrofitted some room that they were using before I don't know (laughs) so so 1701 gets a refit and then 1701A. So is this 
the D's no, refit? Oh, no, but a, a refit means that it's the it's the same ship and there are changes that are made to it. So the original series is 1701. The motion picture is a 1701 refit, although it's pretty different. <laughs> but but it's basically, it's the same ship, but things have been changed. Maybe things have been um, been changed yeah, so out. So can we say that about the D? That this I don't is know if anyone's refit? ever called it that. No, I, don't think <laughs> because, I know, which makes me a little upset outside, that 1701 gets all no, but these I think the different refit, names. <laughs> And here you're mentioning stellar cartography and the quarters that are completely different. Yeah, but a refit is really, I think, on the outside. If they change things in the interior, it's not a refit of the oh, ship. They've just okay. changed remodel. the interior design. A remodel. <laughs> there yeah, there you go. Oh, okay. This is the All Generations right. has the 1701D remodel. Reminds me of school okay. construction terms, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now we're in car insurance. So now. <laughs> 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 yes, interior design it gets remodeled, and then insurance it gets. And that's got to be a fire hazard, especially in Guyan's quarters. You right? know, with all those What's candles, f- they have to be either yes. fake or or non flammable. No, Wharf likes <laughs> Wharf likes uh, candles in his quarters sometimes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but not that many. Tuvok likes but candles. Yeah, 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 not that okay. many. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Her quarters. I, I noticed that this time. The the, the quarters. It's like. This is a little weird, and of course yeah. the the lighting is is different. I know it's supposed to be more cinematic and whatever, but it always throws me off. Like someone just turned down the lights, or well, because they're happened. getting the light from the Amagosa star. So yeah, but when you're in Guinan's quarters, I, I don't know. It it, yeah. it it it's a specific choice to make it like cinematic in some way or a certain mood, but it it always throws me off because it's the same ship, like few months after all good things or something yeah yeah the the lighting is very different i for one like the lighting and i like the change it changes the mood um and it yeah makes it more a movie for me but i can i can see where you're coming from for sure okay well anyway i started with stellar cartography and we went into interior design and (laughs) insurance and that's cool uh, so Amy, do you have uh, honorable mentions well um i one of mine was taken um, but I have another one, uh, going back to data, but this is more the character between data and Jordy and like their friendship just really is solidified. Um, when data goes to apologize for Jordy and, you know, he just says, well, I haven't been behaving like myself. And, you know, then Jordy's like, you've been feeling human. And Data's smile, just right there, it's like, that's the highest form of a compliment that could be given to Data. And for Jordy to say it, especially when Data really could have, you know, prevented Jordy from being taken by the Klingons, you know, and that guilt that I'm sure he's feeling because now he has his emotion chips. Like, I just think that really shows and solidifies their friendship even more. It's just, it's a great scene for me. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, I think you do see some really great stuff with their friendship. Yeah, and the ups and downs it goes through. Yeah. I like it too. So that was yeah. my honorable mention. Okay. Uh, do you have any honorable mentions that haven't already been taken, Richard? Like we all said, there's not a lot to choose from, really. But I mean, there's a lot to choose from, but obviously, yeah, you know what I mean. We've gone over so, a lot of it. Yeah, so, but yeah, all of them were taken, so. It's, yeah, no big deal. Okay. So before I get into my honorable mention, I just want to ask a question that came up while I was watching Generations. So it, there's this thing where Soren wants to get to the Nexus, 
but it's difficult. You can't really get to it in a ship because it gets torn apart. So he's trying to bring it to this planet Viridian 3, right? Here's my question. Wasn't there an alternative where he could be in a ship a certain distance and like be transported out in a spacesuit and just fly into the Nexus that way? Could he have done that? See, now you're making sense of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I no, I don't think that he could fly into it. He would just have to, I mean, because you bring up a point, like that's how... But the planet flies into it, essentially, because <laughs> the planet mm-hmm. is orbiting around the star, so it kind of flies. Yeah. They, they, they're both moving and they intersect as they move. Yeah, I guess right? that's true. I, I mean, mean cuz you could look at like the Enterprise B <laughs> and how Kirk was taken the the next the Nexus yeah, it sucked came. him out. So why couldn't yeah. like Soren be sucked out into space into yeah, the Nexus? Yeah, so why couldn't he just be sitting on a ship some distance away in its path? Yeah, or just in a spacesuit and Yeah, and just... now you're making sense of things. <laughs> I never thought of it before, but I'm like, why does he have to have this thing where he brings it to the planet? Why can't he just come to it in a spacesuit? Well, I was just thinking it's like make it make <laughs> why don't you just make it into like an altar or something like that and have like a platform that goes out of the ship and with the spacesuit and everything. Like, <laughs> like a, a human, plank. Like... like a human sacrifice or something like that. Like, oh, God. And then you'd be like, Here you go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's retract the plank. Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, anyway, it, I mean, it kind of destroys some of the premise of the movie, but it just came into my head this time, like, why is he making this come to a planet? This makes no sense. And he's blowing up the star. Like, does he have to go that far? Anyway. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so. <laughs> he's thought about it for so long that he can't think straight. Okay. Right. Um, right. And did they use the Genesis Project to, uh, to help him out collapsing that star, too? No, no. Um, no, I'm just saying. I'm I just thinking. Don't I don't think I, so. I, no, there was nothing you mentioned. And of course, it. like an, an, another thing that always bothers me is he like fires this missile from the planet, and it hits the star like 30 seconds later. Like, no, it's a lot further away than that. But anyway, hey, it's a supersonic uh, missile. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter if it's supersonic; it has to be going warp, and I don't think it's going warp. But anyway, hey, as you heard, warp it takes 11, <laughs> 11 to 15 seconds to to track the item. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. So I let me get to my honorable mention then. Okay. All right. So one of the things that I also really like in Generations is these scenes that you get of Kirk and Picard, not on Viridian 3, but in the Nexus, where they're just kind of talking to each other. And the particular scene that I really like is when Kirk is, you know, in this house. He's like making eggs with Picard. And it's there's just like something that's so kind of pedestrian about it but there's something i love just seeing them do that and and just like talk to each other in a kitchen like it's not like a real sci-fi setting it's not like some big stakes at that point but they're just talking to each other and kirk wants to you know serve him breakfast so picard's helping with that and then i love how kirk is like really delighted when the toast pops he's like "Ooh, this is great <laughs> i don't well, know there's just something I love about that, that scene too yeah yeah i mean it's it's, it's simple but like I could have watched that scene go on for like a lot longer and have them just like talk about their experiences and trading stories and stuff. I don't know. There was something about that that I loved a lot more than the other stuff that's in the Nexus. Yeah, and that really, you know, shows the power of the Nexus because yeah, they're making the eggs and then you know Captain Kirk's is like something's missing. Pop toast, you know. I, just, I know. Yeah. Go, no. Perfect. Go, yeah, it's charming. <laughs> It's it's just to- I don't know it's just, there's just something that's just totally charming about that scene and I love it like every time like I I would watch the the movie that's just like 
two hours of Kirk and Picard like having breakfast and talking, <laughs> but maybe that's just me. <laughs> you know, I've always wondered why Picard isn't affected as much by the Nexus and its powers and why yeah. his memory he, you know, he realizes it. What? What is it? He sees like yeah. some reflection in like one of those balls on the Christmas tree. On the he's Christmas like, oh. tree, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's. I. I mean, it's almost like he has some weird superpower about this more than yeah. Kirk. Like he realizes something's not right. That even Guinan had difficulty. So that, with. that must have know. been a deleted scene. He must have got like the magic Nexus ring or something like that. It's because cute. I think he it's had foreknowledge. <laughs> He had foreknowledge of the Nexus's power, so that's it. That's the only mm, thing I can think mm. of, like because you know well, he was talking to Guinan about it. Oh, that's it, right. He was talking to Guinan. Yeah, the Maybe. others didn't know about the Nexus. That's a good point. Kirk doesn't know about right. the Nexus, but Picard does because he talked with Guinan. Okay, yeah. hey, that makes sense. We got something to make. See, sense. we're making it. Yeah, we're making sense of it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! <clears throat> All right. So, and that was the only other honorable mention I, I had. So excellent. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect if it was just going to be like we'd all have the same picks or we'd have a lot of difficulty, but I think we found a lot of fun stuff to to talk about. So, and a greater, I've definitely found a greater appreciation of Generations, even if it's lower down on my list. There's some stuff that I, I really loved about it. So uh, maybe let's go into final thoughts and, you know, what what you think based on what we talked about. Amy? Yeah, Um I think it was a very interesting discussion that we had. Like we didn't, I mean, I, I guess I feel a little bad for Beverly and Worf, you know, a little bit with Jordy, you know, they just didn't have much to do. I mean, Jordy was integral with the Klingons and, and that was funny when, you know, the Dora sisters are like, this is the only engineer who doesn't go to engineering, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah, but, you know, we just don't really see much. So I do have a question. Um, is Worf on Deep Space Nine or does he come after, no, after the this. movie? Oh, after. after. Okay. So that's yeah. why. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. This, yeah. the, the, so the, this, this episode aired... Not episode. This movie, Generations, was in the <laughs> was in the the theaters um, at the time of the first part of season three of Deep Space Nine. So Worf would come on to Deep Space Nine a year season later. Season four, That's right. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Then that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I like I said at the beginning, this this movie, um, I quite enjoyed it more. So then I did the past two times I watched it. I think the last two times, you know, I put it in. I'm like, oh, I guess I have to watch Generations. But it's <laughs> it's I gotten more it. exciting for some reason. Um, I think, yeah, making the connections and seeing all there is to see. And, and you're right. The production value is still amazing. I love um, seeing the part where they're on Viridian three and the fight scene between Zoran and Picard and and Kirk, because that's just right there in my backyard, right there North of Las Vegas. Um, Kirk got killed in your backyard. Yes, exactly. (laughs) On the bridge. (laughs) Under under the bridge. That's probably my least favorite part, but anyway, go ahead. (laughs) So, yeah, I, and you know, interesting. I don't know if this is just because it's Earl Grey and that we're focused on next generation, but you know, we didn't really talk too much about. I had two moments with. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) 
But, you know, it, it still is a next generation movie in my mind, um, even though there is, yeah, Captain Kirk with it. So, and I do think um, that it is a good handoff of the movies. I think including Captain Kirk in the storyline, I think was pretty smart. Um, so I think it is great and it sets up the next three movies quite well um, that we're going to see and talk about later. So yeah, I like you, it's just generations has gone up on the list and I would love to see it again. It's very exciting. One the theater. I, wouldn't that be great? But <laughs> you know, with, with, next time with, I want to watch a movie, I'm yeah. not going to, Oh, I don't want to watch generations. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to watch it again. But next time, watch it with the, the, the time travel cut that inserts the, uh, uh, inner light family into the nexus oh, right <laughs> like we talked about before yes. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so richard your final thoughts on what we've talked about for generations today i i, I thoroughly enjoyed it i actually didn't think i was i thought i was gonna have the same feelings like all right and there's you know there's this there's that and you know pick pick apart the the movie um uh, but like I, I actually quite enjoyed this uh watching it over uh, over again today and um like i said it was amazing i couldn't believe how great it is now i'm just thinking for the next episode for this for this little series it's gonna be difficult because i already destroyed the cd a long time ago so <laughs> so i don't know how i'm gonna watch the movies that shall not be named <laughs> but, well but the next one's first contact so you're okay with oh that, that's yeah. right okay so yeah. okay the one after that so i guess i got time <laughs> i got time all right I'll watch next. Uh, I'll watch First Contact all day. Actually, I don't even think I've seen it on this TV yet. So That's I'm right. You got it. 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 I. I watched it on. Uh, on Blu-ray not long ago. It looks really good. Uh, but is <laughs> really, it a really 65 good. plasma? No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't have a 65 inch plasma, so it'll look even better for you. <laughs> yeah. But no, it look. It look. First Contact looks really good. Yeah. So I mean, I. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I mean, like we said in the beginning, uh, it was a little difficult because obviously we have a two-hour movie versus you know. 20 some odd episodes or, or or whatever and it's just yeah it was a lot more difficult but i had fun uh doing it and it brought back quite a bit of memory so i'm in the same boat as you guys you know it went up a little bit not further up but um yeah it, it went up and mostly because they did a spectacular job with all that makeup and all the models and everything i just didn't realize how good of a job they did so yeah Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely went up in, in the way that I think about it, although there's still things I have problems with, like the Victorian Christmas family. And honestly, a lot of the stuff on Viridian 3 feels a little weird to me, but, um, but there is a lot that I enjoy. And I think one of the reasons why two of my, my picks had to do with original series characters is that, I mean, possibly one of my two of my favorite parts of, of the movie are the opening with the Enterprise B and then kind of Kirk and Picard together, you know, it, especially like in the Nexus, just talking with each other and all of that. I mean, there's a lot else in the movie that, that I like, and I think that's really good, but I think up until the point that Kirk gets killed, I mean, I think they make really good use of, of, uh, of the original series characters and all of that. Although I wonder if there might've been another way if they had got been able to get more, um, actors involved. I mean, I think originally they had asked Leonard Nimoy about getting involved and he was like, no, nah, I'm 
I'm not interested in this script, but if you rewrite it into something that might have this, this, and this, and they're like, sorry, we don't have time. But if they would have been able to get like the whole cast, I wonder if it would have been interesting for like a time travel adventure where you have um, the, the Enterprise I, I guess it would be the Enterprise A, just kind of going forward in time <laughs> and and meeting up and having this adventure and being sent back as if nothing happened. But anyway, that's but 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 I came to really enjoy it. And I think there 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 is a lot that I think is illuminated, especially about um Picard and, and Data's character uh in the movie. And I think there are some things that are illuminated about Kirk's character as well. I found you know, in watching those parts, it was almost like you know, we we're getting a sliver of another original series movie and you're getting to see more of how he deals with this and his reflections on his life. So I, I like that part a lot. So, yeah, I think there was a lot of great stuff here and looking forward to continuing the next movies that we talk about. All right, so a preview of next week's episode, we are going to be picking up our Lost Episodes series again about unproduced episodes of The Next Generation. I think usually we don't say in advance which uh, which ones that we're going to talk about, but uh, in this case, I want to let listeners know that one of the, the Lost Episodes that we'll be talking about is something where more information has come to light, a, a detailed outline of what would have been a Next Generation story called Return to Forever which would have involved the guardian of forever and both a younger and older Spock. I think it's kind of exciting what they might've put together that fell through. So we'll be talking about that and then one other. So hopefully you can join us for that as we continue our lost episode series. Ooh, that sounds interesting. It's very interesting. It was like a four page outline that, uh, that was put out and I'll talk more about that on the next episode, but uh, yeah, that'll be exciting to talk about. All right. Well, it's been so much fun talking about our favorite character moments from Generations and the 1701D remodel, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. If Picard is acting with his heart, why would you tell her no? She needs this, da-da-da, and thinking with his heart over his head. I mean, that's a realistic, I'm sure everyone Mm -hmm. can relate to, you know, someone who normally is logical, falls in love especially a workplace romance. And then the dynamic changes so much, especially Mm. when it's someone in authority. Literary treks. Kai Wynn, I think, in this novel, they got her voice perfect. When her first line, when Cisco goes to meet her and she says something like, Oh, Emissary, I just love being called to the station in the middle of my many important things that I do on the planet. I especially find the many hours that it takes to fly here gives me a great time to, like, meditate and (laughs) reflect on my life. (laughs) Wow, she's so... Oh, that was perfect. Melodic treks. So nobody's commenting on it. They're just watching it happen. And again, it's like... Ron Jones gets to soar in his score. He doesn't have to like play down to dialogue. It's just like, I'm going to let fly with the orchestra here. And I thought that was a great moment uh, for him in the episode. Warp 5. Okay, so T'Pol is confronting uh, the green face guy. Silic. Silic. I was going to say Tuvok. Why was I thinking Tuvok? <laughs> they both end with a K. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show, just like we did today. You can also find the network on Twitter, at trek.fm, and on Facebook, at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Richard, where can people contact you when you're not saving the Enterprise B? Um, I you cannot find me in the deflector disc control room. That's for sure. <laughs> but if the you're Nex- not going to take the risk, Kirk did. Well, but if the Nexus is as uh, as bliss as as everyone says it is, then you bet your butt I'm going to be there. <laughs> so, but, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you guys can find me on Facebook. I find I I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. Um, and I am also on Twitter. Uh, my handle is xransom. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not spending time in the Nexus? But who wouldn't? <laughs> well, you know, much like Guinan, I am spending time in the Nexus right now. There's just an echo of me that's there that I put there in the future, but then they came back from the past. That's, I don't know. Yeah. Some time travel thing. <laughs> but a piece of me is is in the Nexus, and I'm very jealous of it. But when I'm not doing that, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my Season 6 rewatch of The Next Generation and talking about lots of other Star Trek stuff. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not letting everyone know the truth that Troy didn't crash the Enterprise-D? I love how you wrote that even before we recorded. Because I knew, knew it was going to come up. <laughs> yes, you you just know me so well. <laughs> well, I will always be doing that. But also, because I'm a multitasker, you can find me on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson. And I've sort of stopped Deep Space Nine, but I will get back to it. Uh, so I'm tweeting about my rewatch still in season four, almost at the end of season four. Uh, you can find me here on the network. I co-host The Edge with Patrick Devlin, and that's about Star Trek Discovery. And uh, my favorite place is on the Babel Conference. But you're doing postcards again, yes? Yes. So we will be uh, doing our postcards for the short treks that are coming out, which will have been out by the time you hear this. Yeah, there's this. one episode by the time listeners hear this that will yeah. already be out. Yes. So Same. expect postcards Around the same time as this one. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right. If you'd like to help us keep all our many shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. 
Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you can find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Lapel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Data, that was not funny. Today is a good day to get sucked to the Nexus! Don't tell me. Tuesday? <laughs>